0: Welcome to the Learning with Old podcast, where we look at science, innovation, startups, that type of thing. Today, I'm looking, I've been very curious about how people go from one industry to another industry. Like, how does someone find their way, if they're like a tire mechanic, how do they become like in the space industry or something like that? And so today we're joined with Yvette, who is the Managing Director at Gonzalez Global Solutions and one of the people at Project Possum, who we, I mean, at this point, we've had a few of them on the podcast just because how fascinating they are. And it's a science astronaut candidate. It's basically Project Possum works to help out, get like training people to go up in space. They do their own research and that type of thing. But the great thing about Yvette, and what we get into this episode, other than the fact that she's just a very fantastic person, is that she made her way into the space industry. Like she, she did a followed a very specific formula that I think all of us could take to find where we belong or find a profession that really resonates with us and so if you've been if you've been wondering like oh is there something better for me out there listen to this episode hear how she found her way through it and just copy it like how i find guests or like how i found my way through things i've basically been using her template without realizing it but now that i see like how she does it it's definitely gonna be much better so yeah this episode if you're kind of like getting out of college looking for a profession in a profession looking to see what else is out there looking to learn how to advance yourself this is a great one we also get into space she is a very smart cookie and she's really nice let's get into this one thing that definitely stood out to me when i was learning about you and it made, you know you sent me the link for this so it made it really easy on me but like um you transition from a humanitarian side of things to space and i, I think you even translated the skills really well but in a in a, in a time where in a time where like we have the internet, we have the ability to have conversations like this. So anyone, if they really have a hunger can go feed themselves and make something happen. Like you've actually done it. And I think that's really, really amazing. So, but at the same time, what are, how did you do it? I guess it's like on a broad yeah. scope and then we'll like go into like more specifics.
1: Uh, well, it was actually seven years in the working because for seven years, I already knew I wanted something different. I knew I was ending the near end of uh, what I believed was had a lot of integrity in my humanitarian work. Uh, I had done enough work in the field to have seen a little bit of tasting of every kind of context, country, and the one thing that was making me realize I needed to find more meaning was my interaction with people. Uh, I was focused on communities and people who, uh, and their behaviors with each other to be resilient after trauma. Mm-hmm whether that was earthquake, flooding, uh, Ebola outbreak, uh, conflict, or war. I was witnessing people's behavior at that level, and how do we rebuild from that? How do we start over in a different environment? How do we deal with that on top of our essential needs? But then on the other side of it, the flip side of my reality was, I have to deal with some people in my field who are pretty difficult, who are educated, well-traveled. Uh, And but some of them are very jaded and and maybe don't have the same approach to people uh, in this development sector as I do Who don't treat people the same way that I would expect people to be treated with dignity and as that grew I kept searching for what else is it that I can put Into this passionate world of mine. How can I apply my skill set because I have a skill (laughs) set it's been 20 years Uh, and What is it that I can do that will benefit? Mankind still, how is it I can still work internationally, uh, but not in a, an environment where I feel there's still hypocrisy. Uh, and the more I talk to people, the more I interview people, I realize, okay, I have a few options that I'll feel happy with at a larger scale. So I started to interview all my friends and LinkedIn contacts that I thought had cool jobs or had parallel life. And I interviewed military because I really thought maybe I'm supposed to be an ambassador to the military, a liaison. Um, I interviewed uh, tech people, people who were in the technology sector. And I came across a friend who had worked with me in Haiti. And then she moved to San Francisco, worked for a 3D printing company, and then had been doing work with Singularity University, Made in Space, a bunch of tech groups. And had been part of a team that worked on the 3D printer, put on the ISS. Good friend of mine, very active, very passionate. And I just, we had been in touch and I said, maybe I should come visit you, see what you're doing, and explore what's happening in your sector, whatever that sector is. A few I guess my fear was gone because I had already determined I was completely unhappy with what I was doing. And I know that we sometimes reach that, that complete, like, all right, I'm not happy. But we go to work anyway. We show up to get the bills paid. We show up for our health insurance. We show up because we have kids. We have people depending on us. I get that. I reached a little point, very, very particular point where I was okay there weren't too many people dependent on me. Um, I had saved enough to pay some bills. And I'm like, let me stop torturing myself because I would go to bed crying. Hmm. I was so unhappy with the work I was doing. And not the work, the people. I was so unhappy with the environment I was surrounded by. Uh, It was pretty toxic. And I just resigned. And I said, "I I would rather be unemployed and happy, and mentally stable, than miserable every day, because I need health insurance. Mm -hmm. And it was scary. I didn't have a complete plan, but I knew I was just not happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most people can reach that point, and you're kind of like, shoot, what do I do now? Well, I started to ask all my friends, what are you doing? Are you happy? What are you doing? How did you do it? Just, I went like on a rampage, writing to everyone I knew. How did you get your job? Do you like it? Are you happy? Do you wake up wanting to go to work? And 9 out of 10 were not happy. 9 out of 10 said, I hate getting up, of course, but I have to pay my bills. But that 1% was who I ended up having longer conversations with. And uh, turns out, I went to California right after... Uh, another friend suggested that I learn more about Elon Musk and what he's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. You, you you kind of point out one of those uh one of the big quotes that I I, I like to I don't know, it rolls around in my head a lot. Uh, maybe it's empty in there, but the the be careful what you be careful what you buy because in the end it'll it'll end up owning you. And it seems like that's kind of one of the one of the main tenets of what you're saying here. And at the mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm curious when you would reach out to these people would you send them all those questions at one time <laughs> or was it over like you wouldn't send like a wall of questions or would you be like one question at a time and it would take a couple of weeks it's like a like a, um, I guess a small question but i'm curious
1: no i would send like one or two i would first tell them you know because most of them were friends if they weren't mm-hmm. they were colleagues of colleagues who i said "Ooh, that person looks interesting can you introduce me on linkedin i Had no problem. I'm like, you have a colleague that has kind of the dream job title that I like. Can you introduce me to him? And people Mm -hmm. are so nice. Yeah, Yeah. sure. What do they have to lose? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just say, I mean, that this is my 20 years experience. I'm looking for something new, purposeful, meaningful. But outside of the sector, can I talk to you about your experience? And that's how it always starts. Can I talk to you about your experience? Can I learn from you? And I have to say, I think the icebreaker with so many people around us is that if you're interested in what their story is, how they got to it, people really like to tell their story. Mm -hmm. So I would always just start with that. Can I learn about your story and what you do? I really would like to know what it is you do on a daily basis. And my first conversations with everyone was that, how did you get the current position that you have? Uh, are you happy there? What do you do on a daily basis? And are you excited about it?
0: Hmm. So,
1: so it was always about them first.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. The, well, it's a. I think this is one of the... I don't know if you like... I'm thinking of it from a listener point of view. And I mm-hmm. think like one of the first things you said is like people get locked in fear. And so knowing that people are generally positive... I know people are positive. You know people are generally positive. Yeah. Um, I, have you on a percentage basis like if you had like a, like a, 10 people you w- mm-hmm. contacted how many would be grumpy to you cuz like to me it's like it's like barely even one like people generally aren't grumpy
2: no. yeah
0: yeah it's like no. and even the grumpy ones are just like they're they're no. just like oh you know they've raised good concerns i didn't express myself enough and then you just talk about you know you let them know who you are like you you know you did and then they're like oh okay yeah i'll talk to you it's usually no. like yeah they everyone's like really zero. nice yeah.
1: Yeah. People are pretty like, okay, we're all human, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I believe that our reaction uh, in being grumpy or unhappy is a reaction to other people <laughs> and mm-hmm. to other energy. I'm genuinely super happy. I wake up happy. I'm not a grumpy morning person and I'm not a grumpy night person because I'm, one, I, I'm really in a good place with my family. Two, I'm in a really good place with my work and I believe every day I am Fulfilling my purpose and I'm gonna tell you that a year ago a year and a half ago. I didn't feel this way uh, And it's been up and down for me uh, according to my work
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um, generally, people are really like happy yeah. to talk about their life and get it out cathart vent, whatever mm-hmm. um, People do deliver it differently They're not grumpy, but I can tell from people's tone, like, "Oh, I hate my job," blah blah, or "Oh my God, I love my job. I just started last week." I'm like, "Aha!" (laughs) So you get no grumpy, no grumpy,
2: no.
0: Yeah, I think it's the the point I was trying to arrive at is the idea that some. I think people are concerned. Oh, will these people be mean to me? It's like, well, first of all, if they're mean to you, what are they going to do? They're not going to get in their car, drive twelve hours to see you, and then get in your face and say you suck. You know, they're just going to be like, you know and and then, like you have two <laughs> examples, <laughs> two examples of ba- basically ninety nine percent of the time I, I'm just uh, like the I'm like the back, uh bacteria spray. I just never say hundred percent like for legal purposes like ninety nine point nine percent of germs are are happy germs, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just allowing the possibility <laughs> for that uh mileage may vary, but uh so you're hearing from people who 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 talk to people a lot like you probably talk mm-hmm. to people a lot. I know I talk to people a lot
2: ninety
0: nine point nine percent of them are really positive, so if like if you're, if you're listening and you're thinking, man, I, 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 there's something out there that I'm not doing, do what he mm-hmm. did and start contacting people. Even if you don't know them, just yeah. be like, hey, hey, I'm John from accounting and I want to learn how to do this. You know? remember
1: really this, is, this is a time where you, if you're so shy or introverted, which is a good percentage of the population, trust me, I know, uh, you don't have to call someone on the phone. You don't have to re- meet them in person. I mean, I, I like that, but I'm extroverted. Um, but for those who are introverted or shy and timid about, we have the internet, and you can LinkedIn connect with somebody, chat with them until you're comfortable, and you can Skype chat without the video. You can do so many things that don't uh, pressure you or intimidate you or uh, or, de-, or um, de incentivize you to reach out to people because you you can have interactions that don't pose a threat to, you, to your being and to your personality. So I think that's a positive thing about the age of communication. Um, people are super shy or they, they want to really talk to the CEO of a certain company. Find them on LinkedIn, reach out mm. by a text and you don't risk anything. They will yeah. respond and you can chat, chat, chat. And if they say, oh, let's take it to the next level of talking, you determine what you're comfortable with, uh, especially if you're just looking for information.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah the yeah. the apart one of my friends who for the longest time was in, in a very unsatisfying career mm-hmm. I would, they they would just apply for things they would just like mm-hmm. apply for things it's like you're applying for something but why do they care like why should they care about you like okay you can do that like 80 yeah. percent mo- of the people who are applying are probably gonna be able to do the job they're only going to okay. care about the people that they know why mm-hmm. why not contact those people and be like hey i'm trying to learn more about the position that interests me can i have an informational mm-hmm. interview with you and so they finally started doing it, and they've had like five job offers within a month of doing oh, it, so it's wow. like yeah, and that's all stuff that they like so, and then the, yeah. they know they like it because they ask like, "Hey, is it really like this, or does it only seem like this?" you know like sometimes you look at a job uh, mm-hmm. job position or someone mm-hmm. doing something, and it like it seems good from the outside. But when you ask the questions like you do, are you happy here? What are you doing? How long have you been there?" Um, mm-hmm. it, you can quickly tease out that like some some like what it's actually like, and I think that's really mm-hmm. important like because sometimes yeah. you don't know until you ask, and so ask. Right. Yeah. And, and most
1: people. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go
0: ahead. I was just going to summarize and uh, like, don't don't say no for people. You know, like if like you're you're basically saying, oh, this person won't want to talk to me. Like you're you're answering negatively for them. Give them the yep. opportunity to say no to you. Like let them exactly. have the ability to say no, versus yeah. just writing yourself out without even you know having a line. But
1: and I have my experience. Ten out of ten people always respond and want to talk because mm-hmm. I think by human nature, we want to share. And not often do we get asked how we feel about work or are we happy about work. People assume it or assume you're okay. And so nobody really openly talks about it. Um, And so even when people ask me, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to share, I will tell you. Uh, It's important to talk about that. I think it's important to share because we're evolving to places of we're more productive if we're happy. We're more productive if we are incentivized by the right things, not the wrong things. I like reward. I don't like punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, uh, yeah, so finding that is okay. And a lot of people said, I feel lost. I don't want to take time off because I'll seem like a hot mess. I like to tell people that in my experience, the times I've taken time off that I like a job and I took a year off, or I took six months off because I could. Um, I don't see that as being a hot mess, and I don't see that as being lost or oh my god, I was finding myself again, or midlife crisis, or whatever. Uh, sometimes to evolve, we need less distraction, hmm. and I truly believe that sometimes evolution of your own personal psyche, of your personality, of your um, passion, of your pursuit, and your purpose has to be in a very focused uh, solitude or reflection. And I think it's quite okay. You know, I've had grown adults in their 40s and 50s who quit a job, didn't have enough money, had to move back in with their parents, didn't tell anyone because they were so embarrassed. And then they came back stronger, got bigger jobs, started their own companies, started doing the things that they'd always wanted to do. And they were quite embarrassed at the beginning. And then once they were happy, successful, they came back out into the public. Right. Mm -hmm. And they would say things like, oh God, yeah, I was hiding out. Cause I was like, like, why were you hiding out? You were becoming a better version of who you are. There's no shame in that. And Mm -hmm. I wish people could really own that. We naturally have to evolve there. Whether you stay in the same job or not, you're evolving. Mm -hmm. And your unhappiness sometimes is a sign that it's time to evolve bigger. Uh, and it's okay to take a time out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's okay to feel like you might feel like a hot but if you just accept that you need a month to apply for new jobs or you need a month of talking to friends about what to do next, uh, if we're less negative towards ourselves during that period and we let ourselves like get into it and find, you will probably find the right place faster.
0: Mm-hmm. The... Reminds me of a Neil Gaiman commencement speech he gave where he said, if you want to write, go be bored. Like, don't put on the TV. Don't watch YouTube. Don't read a book. Go for a walk. Let your mind wander and you will find a story. Your mind will find a story. And you know, the story is like a narrative of your life, I guess, as an analogy. So,
1: so true. I think, um, Aziz Ansari, he, he did the first two seasons, by the way, big fan of, um, (gasps) <gasps> no, Master of None.
0: Oh, yeah. I watched the first season of that.
1: <laughs> okay, so season two even like blew my mind. Then season three, I, uh, he publicly stated that he purposely is taking more time when off social media because he wants season three to be real life. Hmm. And I thought, oh, we should all be real life. Like We should just all really um, savor the real moments, the real life moments and, and not so much who liked me on Instagram and who liked me on Facebook. I mean, I believe in all that too, for, for education and, and getting the word out about space and access to it. But there is something you said about your personal life and experience um, and your human interactions to be real. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And I noted I was in the, the Bay area recently and I was really excited. Like I was at a party, but other than the party, I was just, I was really happy that no one was <laughs> on their phone. Like everyone was oh, like nice. so involved, like a bunch of tech yeah. people weren't on their phones. Like back where I'm from, people go to dinner, like they'll try and sit. I have to like, when I first get to know someone, I have to kind of be a bit of a jerk and be like, can we just put our phones away when we're eating or when we're doing something together? And if there's an emergency, go to that. But like, let's yeah. all be here together. But all of them... I don't
1: think that's a jerk move. I think that's awesome. Like yeah. well,
0: I don't that know, should be, be
1: the way it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen the culture around uh, like different, Cities, age groups, industries—where you show up to a work dinner—and it's so fascinating to see which groups put their phones on the table and which groups don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I've noticed more and more, especially in the space sector. I sit down, I don't see phones coming out when we're together. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in in my previous life, uh, yeah, it was maybe it was the high intensity of the jobs, of the emergencies constantly coming in, of the. But uh, there was always a, a phone on the table when we were at dinner, lunch, breakfast. And it wasn't questioned because we were like, oh, that has to do with work. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe it didn't. And maybe, you know, it would oh, no, yeah. do a lot more storming, positive reinforcement and, and bonding if we just like put that tech away all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think it was a jerk move of you. I think that's something that you should ask the people and you have the right to.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Sometimes I feel bad when I have to be like, hey guys, you just met me. Here's my rule. Let's let's all
1: Yeah, I like say it, it in like, a nice way. Yeah, unless yeah. you have children or a wife who's about to give birth. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If there's an emergency, <laughs> let's let's go there.
1: It's, it's only exceptions. Yeah.
0: Love. <laughs> all right. So after after like kind of talking about how you contacted people who are smart or were doing things that excited you and you you put yourself out there to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 took the, the leap and jumped out and went to the area to meet everyone. Um, so what was it like? You get off the plane. I, I, when I recently was there and I got off the plane, I looked around and I thought, this kind of looks like a Mad Max prequel. There's homeless camps. Ah! There's need, needles everywhere. It's like, where? Because people talk about it, it's a very beautiful place. I, I found out that I went at the wrong time. I went in July. But apparently that's like the deadest place. You should go in like December or something like that. Where? But where? Where? In the Bay Area. Oh, yeah, out, yeah, yeah yeah so when you when you get off the plane i thought
1: you were talking about haiti or <laughs> i'm like wait what? <laughs> but that is a great description of any of those places
0: <laughs> so when you when you get off the plane what do you do to get yourself from that point to the mm-hmm. point where you're integrated like what are like if you could describe a day
1: I'm forever grateful to my friend, uh, Dara, Dara Dots. She's got a TED Talk, she's amazing, she's a firecracker. She is one of the most inspiring friends I have. And Dara picked me up in her little car and with her dog and I was fortunate that I called her ahead. She invited me to stay with her. I had no earthly idea how connected she was. I mean, I had an idea, but I didn't really know and she picked me up in her car we went to her apartment and it was five days of back to back to back parties events talks lectures visits site visits to palo alto uh so it was a mad chaotic uh schedule of her just doing exactly what i asked her i said i want to meet everybody i just want to be involved i'm like take me on your life just like if I can be there with you, whatever your schedule was, anyway, take me. She made everything happen. She opened everything to me, and there was even one night. I'm not a party person. I don't go out. Ten o'clock. You are like you are lucky to see me out of the house tip you. She took me to a secret society, <laughs> um, secret society bar, exclusive. It's like the one percent of the one percent club. Uh, there was like a secret. Key, and the whole thing. I got into this really st- exclusive place with exclusive people who I had no idea who I was about to meet, and I did meet exclusive people that I was. I was pretty overwhelmed, but mm. that five days of this kind of like high tech, leading cutting edge uh, technologists and brain power people left me reeling. I felt like an outsider in this industry. I don't let anybody intimidate me, and I had a lot of confidence, but. I had to listen a lot and learn, and my interaction with them was filtered because I had no idea what world I'd stepped into. I was literally like an alien in this like space technology place where they have different personalities, different way of talking, different way of expressing their work, uh, a different competitive edge. I was really an observer, and yet I really wanted to be remembered. Five days later, my head was... Full boiling. I had too much information, and then I was really overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do with it, so I left San Francisco um, spinning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like my head spinning, and I had like in my head file folders of a large amounts of information, and I had lists of names to follow up on and people that I had to Google and people I had to look up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I really felt lost, even worse than when I arrived. And then she took me to the airport and on the way said, you know, you should look up uh, this space academy for adults. And that's kind of the big trigger. So Dara said, you should look up this, this program. It's called Project Possum. And I thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh, there's nothing legitimate that's called Possum. (laughs) and after a whole week of all of this crazy spinning meetings and amazing people and tech and my mind-blowing experience possum sounded like okay I'll try it so at the airport I logged on applied to be part of this project it was the last day to apply by just coincidence and then I looked at the number and email for the director and I'm like I really I'm different background from all these other candidates so I wrote to him I said look I'm older. I don't have, uh, my, my MPH is not STEM, quote unquote, completely. Is it okay if I apply for this program? Do I still meet the eligibility requirements? Is that okay? And he called me the next day and said, you look interesting. Tell me a little bit about background, why you want this program. And he accepted me. And that changed the course of my life.
0: so, when I guess in, maybe in retrospect or when or when you were in it, what how did I think you were you were saying that you basically were trying to get people to remember you? And I think that's one of the I think that's a, a key differentiator because I think there's a there's a quote where it's like um, There's like a, a business thing where you want people to know you or something, but it's not that's not the important thing. It's like who knows you, like it's not who you know, but who knows you. There you go. I found it. I found yeah. it. In the, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> So what? how did, I guess for people who have not done that, who have not immersed themselves in many different cultures, like how did you go about doing that? Um, like any hmm. like weird skills or, or ah. trips, uh, tips or something like that for people who, who want to probably do the same thing, but are feeling, feeling afraid because they, yeah. you know, they don't know how to immerse themselves like you can.
1: So one thing is, uh, and this is specific to me, <laughs> I have never had cards I don't print cards. I haven't paid to make a card. I haven't had my own cards because I immediately give people my information in their phone, or I take it in mine, and I immediately, when I'm with them, send the text or the email or the WhatsApp message immediately, and that guarantees I will always have contact with the people I want to. When people are in a rush, I get their card, but within that same half hour, I go to the bathroom and I, send it and I do, 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 type it in. I send it. so I'm really good at that. And I don't have a card on purpose because a lot of people collect them and they go in the trash. Or they collect them and they're sitting in somewhere. Okay. I like to be like, you want my email here? I'll give it to you. And I put it in their phone and people will always just hand me their phone and I put it in. Or well, here's my email here. Here. WhatsApp me really quick. We'll be connected. And we are. And guess what happened? Two days later when I'm traveling, I go through my WhatsApp while I'm on the plane. and I'm like, ah, yes, that guy. Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to follow this guy. And they're already there or the email's already there or the text message is already there. Um, so that's the best way. And what I've done in the space industry, uh, and it's quite accepted (laughs) is if I'm going to save you and, and some of the rocket scientists I met do this, they will literally like, Hey, let's take a selfie together. They take a selfie, email it to me. Okay. Email it. And then I have a picture of them, me emailed. We remember each other and then we follow up. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those unexpected things, uh, where you take the initiative. and say, do you mind if we take a selfie together? And then I'll email it to you, and then we know who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we remember that moment, and you see the picture, and you remember that moment.
2: Hmm.
1: So the two things that I've maintained is uh, no cards. If you want or if I want to be connected or I really want somebody to follow up with me, I will make it happen. I'm like, you're the director of the space agency. Can I email you and your team? And they're like, oh, yeah, here's my card. I'm like, oh, i need email you right now. And then boom, 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 and I do it.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, it went through the spam filter, like sometimes.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, I'm oh, sad. did you get
0: it? <laughs> did you get you? Like, yeah, it's right there? It's like, sweet. Then all you have to do is hit reply, which your, your chances of getting a response from an, a, like a thread is like 66% higher or something like that. than um, just like a random email. Like if you were to send independent emails over the course of like five days, like five yeah. times versus one email thread five times, the email thread <laughs> is going gonna, is gonna to pop up. Granted, you shouldn't do either of those unless there's an emergency but
1: yeah. yeah but also i think uh, uh, communicating through email if that's what people prefer cuz sometimes people for me the most uh, non intimate communication is the emails but i'll put in the subject my name and like that way they remember my name and any follow up that they wanted like they're like oh call me friday friday i'm like okay can i email you sure 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 those kind of people i'm like okay give me your email and i email I'm like eva cuz call friday It's my subject <laughs> You know, and then they remember Um, And always always reach out immediately. Don't let people forget who you are when it's fresh and you follow up I have to say that's one thing that uh, as humans uh, as people I'm still impressed with people who are actively communicating So if you tell me I'm gonna write to you next week and you don't I will probably easily forget you Mm. if you say you're gonna write to me and you do I'm pleasantly surprised and I will respond <laughs> and that's that's the response I get from people like oh you followed up yeah great
0: the is there any benefit or difference in following up right away or waiting like a week before you weren't spoke like you have like something going on like mm. let's, let's say you, you meet someone today but you're gonna potentially meet up and for something mm-hmm. on like a new year's eve party like three days yeah. before that you email them then and yeah. you wait for then. Or, or would you do both? Like, like, what would be the, I plan? do both. Okay. People
1: choose to ignore my email. That's great. And then I see them at the news part. I'm like, did you get my email? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Oh crap. <laughs> no, I'll, I do both. Uh, in a time where people travel so much, people are so busy. And I honestly don't make any assumptions about people's personal lives, that they have children, an ex-husband, an ex-wife they're dealing with. All of that. I don't, uh, make any assumptions that that's there or not there. I believe you have a life. I have a life. Uh, but when I make a promise, I keep it. So I hope the same for others. <laughs> but I'm from like the 70s and 80s. I knew what life was before cell phones. So I made mm-hmm. a promise to show up at Burger King at five. And then I showed up at Burger King. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's what my niece and nephew are like, how did you like live without your phones? I'm like, well, I read a lot. I was in the library a lot. I owned encyclopedias and I just did what I said. And if I didn't show up, something did happen. <laughs> like I did get hit by a car if I didn't show up. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I think I fall in the same camp where it's like, if I don't follow up, I feel really bad. Like if, if there, nothing yeah. happened and I just like it slipped through, it's like, Oh oh no.
1: Yeah. I, hate I feel
0: that. super yeah.
2: guilty. I, that, I have uh, yeah, yeah. guilt.
0: A lot, a number of the people who will for, like forget to follow up with me, they'll apologize. And it's like, I know for a fact that you're like saving lives. Like, <laughs> relax. i have no <laughs> one's, I'm over here. Like, we can talk whenever.
1: We're good. Yeah. 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 I forgive easily because life, uh, yeah. but I, I don't it's know like you're your hard on
0: yourself at the same time. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah
1: exactly. Then yeah. I'm so harsh on me. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. Uh, but I think generally because I still believe in old school loyalty and old school promises, mm. you know, so I don't let go of that. I yeah. think it's important, especially when you're meeting new people, uh, new networks, and uh, you're building trust. I think there's something really beautiful about still being able to trust somebody at their work, you know. Mm. Oh, you'll call me a five? I'll call you a five. Uh, you'll show up at the New Year's party? Yeah, I'll show up at the New Year's party. And you do. And mm-hmm. it was so easy to do it. And they're so surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's something really nice about that. I still send thank you cards, written thank you cards. Um, I still buy them and write them. And I mean, I just needed an Airbnb this weekend in Austria for my space analog training,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I had a, um, I took a card with me and a pen, a pencil, a special one, and I wrote a thank you handwritten to my Airbnb host because she was fantastic, and of course she wrote me out. She's like, "What a nice." card that was so nice Mm -hmm. I because I still like to get those (laughs)
0: so yeah Mm. I'll I'll send you a card I wish people did more written Ah. written mail I have a couple couple friends who I like pen pal that way where all (laughs) all we talk is like through mail I mean granted if there's like something really big coming on they'll call me but or text me but like I really like just like writing people letters I need to send one to my grandma it's been a while but the
1: yeah and you'll be like oh wow my handwriting i Sometimes I, it's been so long, I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't recognize my own handwriting.
0: <laughs> yeah, my handwriting is <laughs> atrocious. I, should, I oh. should get a PhD just so people can be more tolerant of it. <laughs> and I was like, that just means you're
1: smarter. Mm. <laughs> the, the more you scribble, the smarter you are. <laughs> no, I had actually, my sister asked me a few years back. Um, she asked me and my other, there's five of us, uh, and me and uh, the older sister, both live away from the family. But my younger sister said, can you write uh, my daughter a, a postcard or a letter? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we used to do that when we were young. We used to send postcards when we were traveling. And, and I used to pen, pen pal with my sisters and my family. And I'm like, oh, is there a reason why? She's like, she's nine years old and she's never received a piece of mail. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God, I had pen pals when I was like six from Switzerland and I don't even remember how I got connected, but I had pen pals and we used to write and I never met them in person. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, you're right. There are a generation who hasn't received handwritten anything. And so now I make it a point to, to write. Um, and when I can write letters or write postcards or handwritten notes. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, I mean, when you, when you think about what you get in the mail, like what do you get? Bills and then things you order on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> i so excited about things on Amazon and then it's like an addiction you know you gotta like have some positive things in the middle that don't cost much
1: that's why my mom's old saying was no news is good news and I'm like oh that's so sad mm. <laughs> uh, but that's also what I think about going to space I think wow there's gonna be a time where I can't send handwritten messages and I will be only reliant on email in the future of all of us being able to be interplanetary what does that mean about communication How is it changed mm-hmm. will we be able to send mail handwritten mail back to earth
2: it costs a this,
0: lot like <laughs> yeah. uh, i was talking about this the other day where there's a like really great pizza place in madison that, like it's the best pizza i've ever had and oh I've, I've had a lot of pizza i i've lost 50 pounds i've lost I've eaten a lot of pizza That's
1: awesome
2: congrats and
0: i've um uh, I thought about, like, what if, like, there's a way to, like, put the pizza that was freshly made into a rocket and, like, shoot it to me? Because I'm like, I'm, like, five hours away and then have fresh pizza. So, wow. I, I feel like if I really wanted to pay them that much, I could do it. So, I think when you're in space, you could probably just, like, message in a bottle and, like, shoot it at someone <laughs> with, like, a little, like, ion drive and it gets them. It would just be very slow.
1: I, I'm hoping. <laughs> I believe in the power of magnets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just watching uh, a movie. What is it called? Shoot, I'll remember it later. Um, And it was about this woman in the future. Her father died on Mars uh, when his spacecraft was suddenly taken by a force. And in the future, she's working, uh, managing the JPL of the future. And turns out there's this cube with magnetic force and can transport from Mars to Earth within minutes. And so mm. we talk about the magnet field, is that possible in the future? Could we invent that? Da-da-da. I'm like, if we can deliver pizza, yes, let's do it.
0: <laughs> For the real things in life. <laughs> For the pizza. Uh,
1: Nutella, yeah, Nutella is my crack, okay? <laughs>
0: I've never had Nutella. I, don't, I, I guess I'll, I'll try I, it out. I've had, like, real peanut butter.
1: Okay. I'm going to order you Nutella on Amazon <laughs> to deliver <laughs> oh I, nutella you haven't lived yet i'll just say that You're, I, <laughs> I,
0: I try to remove like sugar from my diet it's really hard i don't know how Me much too. yeah i don't know well, i'll look it up later but we'll see how much sugar
1: little, well just so you know nutella inspired Nutriset, which is a, a plumpy nut uh right. which is a therapeutic eating food for malnourished children and so it was an inspiration because of the element composition and the balance of uh oil salt um Anyway, I'll, I'll send you all this information. So it's not all that, but it only comes to me in a small amount on cheat day. So mm. I'll send you enough for you to like use over a few months on mm. your cheat day.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't have... Do you have discipline? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have cheat days. My, my girlfriend has cheat days.
2: Okay. I just,
0: I think of it like if I have this vanilla ice cream, then I just have to work out more tomorrow or I can not have it and I'd be quicker ahead with my goals.
1: God, I wish it was. My body doesn't operate that way.
0: Yeah, I, I, maybe but, it's like a, a lady thing. I don't know, like my girlfriend's the same way. She's totally like, is. she has like credits. Like we made like little uh, cards mm-hmm. and she can like check them in for ice cream whenever she's like, <laughs> she gets like <laughs> a certain one. amount.
1: I keep telling my cohort of candidates that I'm training. I'm like, I am so going to get fat in space. There's too many calories. <laughs> and then I'm like, everybody else is going to do two hours on the treadmill. I'm going to be doing three. Mm. But I'm gonna, yeah, it's a lot harder work and I'm older. So it says there's a lot more effort. So that's why I actually train a lot now.
0: Mm. Well, I wonder when we're going to start implementing the, the wheels, you know, where you spin them. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's not like, because when whenever I see the newest habitats that are being talked mm-hmm. about, they're just, they're still 2D, like there's like one level and then like the mm-hmm. one level, but I guess it's still 3D. I don't know why I said 2D, but there's no like s- like uh, spinniness to like make artificial gravity, which right, you think, right, it, right. You think it would make it easier. So I don't know how hard it is to spin things in space. So maybe well, that's why. Well,
1: actually, I think it's what people don't realize is the ISS is close enough to earth that there's still gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. The reason there's microgravity in the ISS really is that it's serving like a centrifuge. It is spinning as it's uh, going around the Earth and it's rotating. So it is creating a fall, uh, a simulated Free. microgravity
2: yeah.
1: uh, environment because it's not that the ice is so far from Earth that there's no gravity. Uh, and zero gravity doesn't exist anywhere. It's just variations of gravity. Uh, the farther you get away from the center of the Earth uh, and other planets with a, a gravitational pull, um, so you're always in some kind of range, right? Even on, on Earth, when we simulate, we're just in maybe free fall, or we're in a simulated environment where there, the free fall is created. So you can spin things. I mean, when they're making food on the ISS, sometimes pizza, they spin the dough so they can the, so that pepperoni stays on it and they can eat it that way uh, so yeah spinning is possible you but it, it can create centrifuge action and sticky um, the idea of gravity
0: yeah well i remember like in the 2001 space odyssey they have like that giant that's what i'm looking for that's like the only <laughs> thing that's the only thing in the future where i think that would take like when i when i read science fiction now all of it seems very like yeah give it like 10 years like we'll have it huh. I, I think like, that's just like a yeah. lot of money. So like we'll have to figure out oh, a way yeah. to either grow. I think it'd be really interesting to grow habitats as a like biological material, but mm-hmm. I also know you can 3D print things, which is essentially the same yeah. thing, but it doesn't like yeah. self-prepare, but. Yeah. Cause we're
1: even looking at 3D printing food. So they powder up protein or elements of protein. And that way we can use that part to 3D print food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there's some scientists at the European space agency, uh, who have been experimenting with, and trust me, i it's hard for me, uh, roaches, because they're a mm. high uh, source of protein, and they're so abundant, so they're looking at, can we uh, create powder um, and, and small regulate out of roach and, mm. and roaches, and then use that to 3D print food.
0: Mm. Are you, are you familiar with clean meat or cellular agriculture? Like the the ability to print food? I mean, like grow grow meat without the animal. No. Oh, it's really awesome. I, uh, <laughs> it's uh, a awesome. the uh, I I interviewed one of the people who's like trying to build out the industry, but it's it's really fascinating. Basically, with uh, something that looks a lot like a like a beer distillery, like there's little mm-hmm. like the, you have like a giant cylinder. There's like a bunch of little tubule oh. things on the inside, and then like it goes together. At least the, one, the person I asked, like that's how it happens. And then you can okay. like make hamburger or there's like Finless Foods is making, I think, tuna or something yeah. like that. So you can actually have, you can actually have like, it'll feel and have the texture and have the taste of meat because it is meat. It's just you don't need to kill a cow or uh, kill right. a tuna, which is fascinating because they can also load it up with all the nutritional requirements, which I think is fantastic for for a disaster preparedness preparedness, and the idea that you can just park a tanker truck a tanker off the shore of a tsunami and have all the ability to supply the food and make sure that there's nutrition is being taken care of in Mm -hmm. one go oh it's it's really fascinating but there's a there's a um there's like a burger that's going on like it's in japan it's in a it's like across america i forget what it's called but it's like a unbelievable burger
1: yeah 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 like I've, I've seen that in all the vegan restaurants
0: yeah so you can you can eat meat and no no animals are harmed in the making of the the food and i think and i think they actually so- they, they actually use i think apple cellulose or something like that like the yeah. den- did you sell apple starches or something i'm not a scientist with this you'd have to talk to scientists and, i and, think-
1: or botan- i'm not a botanist or uh ag- agronomist however mm-hmm. I worked with them uh, and it's true that they use different they can use different components and materials to make things seem to trick our mind into like what we're eating is what we think we're eating. Hmm. Um, well, I think it yeah, really and is meat. Me well, in so. in Af- yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. Afghanistan, uh, we would create meals with soya and soy mm-hmm. protein. And I promise you, I thought I was eating chicken teriyaki and yeah. I was addicted to that stuff. And they're like, you know, this is sick like, vegetarian. I love it. <laughs> but my mind thought I was like tripping on chicken. So we're good. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you've ever tried tofu before, but that stuff's mm-hmm. an abomination. I, like at least the stuff that was in my my resident hall cafeteria. <laughs> oh,
1: that's horrible. Was an
0: abomination. Like maybe it's because it was in college and they probably find the cheapest supplier. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it was not right. I like took a bite one could... and I was just like, "This ain't real." It's hey. <laughs> <This, they're> wrong.
1: <laughs> so I have. It depends on how you cook it. That's all I'm mm. gonna say. But I've had some damn good tofu. <laughs> and you're right. I've had some plastic. So for, it's I all there. The
0: <laughs> problem is because it was in a cheap dining hall salad bar.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I bought, uh, I bought all my family. And I, I often will give people space suit, You know, what NASA sells or the Canadian Space Agency will sell in their gift shops. Uh, freeze-dried ice cream, freeze-dried strawberries. And people always ask me, is this tofu or what is this? I'm like, it's freeze-dried it's, the, it's the, the deal. It's the real deal, but it's freeze dried. And as you eat it, it is so good. <laughs> this is actually what feeds my whole, like, I'm going to, if they have this in space, I'm totally going to like gorge on it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It tastes real. It's easy to eat. The texture tastes like a cookie. So you don't even think you're eating the real deal. It's amazing.
0: I think, feel like that's good to have in your kitchen. Like it's like a lazy day. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to cook though i hear i'm really excited to try this but uh
2: (laughs) like there's
0: there's people that will cook all their meals on sunday and then just like or prepare them all on sunday Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. have them throughout the week i'm really excited Mm -hmm. to try that out um oh meal
1: prepping yeah yeah
0: yeah, because then it's cheaper i want to get to like a dollar a day on food but let
1: me just as as having had many nutritionists and friends who are nutritionists and working on malnutrition just so you know meal prepping is only really efficient or as efficient as it can be. And I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback on this uh, for two days at a time. Mm. Um, so if you prep meals, at least that's how I've learned. So the nutritional value de- diminish- diminishes and depletes after two days. So I usually meal prep for max two days at a time. Just FYI. Do you, know, you want to get like a max punch for your prep time?
0: Yeah, my, my girlfriend just made some like amazing soup and mm-hmm. it was like, Yesterday was the third day that she ate it and then she mm. got po- like she was not feeling good. So I, th- I feel like it, it seems right. Like two days, magical. Third day, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's been poisoned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I take care yeah, of her. Yeah.
1: And, I, and I try to let people know when you cook meat that's on bone, if you're, if you're a meat eater, uh, remove the meat from the bone if you're going to save it because the bone is actually what builds up bacteria. Hmm. And so the people who get tummy aches a few days later after Thanksgiving and they're like, but I ate that turkey like, and it was so good. And we're like, did you take the bone off? Like, no, I put it in the fridge like that. Like, yeah. Even if you heat it back up, uh, bacteria tends to grow and propagate more around the bone. So hmm. removing that will help you from getting sick.
0: I, I was talking to a bone expert, a bone spurt, huh. and they were telling me, <laughs> I didn't know this. This is really <laughs> fascinating. So I want to I say it here. Do it. it. Um, your bones are a calcium storage like they store calcium like of course yeah they're made out of you know that's what they're made out of but Mm -hmm. it's it fuels your heart it fuels your heart muscles so like your 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 bones keep your heart alive and they're there and if you're like i'll ever malnourished that's why like anorexic people have really uh like bad hearts is be, not, not because they're not kind people, but because their bones, that they didn't feed themselves. And then the bones, mm. you know, start doing that. And then they're, it's not that they don't feed enough to keep their heart strong. It's that the calcium is being depleted in their bones. And then they have uh, uh, the lady thing where you, when you're really old, you get this. I only call it this because it h- tries to help me remember it. It's what, uh, osteoporosis. Osteopor- th- there you go. Mm-hmm. But I, I, Other people can get it, but that's how I remember it in my head.
1: No, but yeah. a majority of astronauts uh, have that when they return from space. I dare say all of them, but I know the majority do because, as you know, uh, without gravity, your bones tend to um, eat, eat themselves. So when they come back, that's why they're so weak, and that's why it takes a long time to rehabilitate. Uh, so, so many of them have osteoporosis after returning. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I was telling you, I, um, what fascinates me about human development in space. Because if we know already as adults who've grown up with gravity and our bones are strong and the density is strong because we're on Earth, uh, it depletes when we're in space and microgravity environments. What do we think might happen if a child is born into that environment without ever having uh, been exposed to gravity?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Will our bones develop the same? Will the human body take the same form, et cetera? Like, will the same bone density be possible? And if not, what are the consequences if that child ever someday wants to come back to Earth?
0: Mm-hmm. So so, what so a great transition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're welcome
0: <laughs> i just like transitions like in my head i was like oh we gotta start getting over there but you, you shut it up But the, the, um, well i think there was the the gravity components one that i hear about and i think we've done some mice studies on this but mm-hmm. i've also been curious about the mag- ma- magnetic sphere like the magnetic mm-hmm. thingy like how that would affect us at all because I, I, i'm curious because like, we're so used to it so gravity is one component, but I'm also wondering like what are the other factors about being on Earth that we just take for granted for and we don't think about it? But mm-hmm. so when it comes to being in space, I think of like the and the mice, the part the middle part of your ear, that little hammer guy that keeps balance, like doesn't really develop right. But is there are there other things like that that seems to be that we found through like the using other mammals as like yeah. um so the
1: the things that we ah oh, my internet Connection is unstable. Okay. Um, the the results that we know of and that I've, I've been exposed to working between all these different agencies over the past year uh, are definitely we have to be aware of how our brain, our eyes, our heart, our muscles, and our bones react to exposure of microgravity. And that said, uh, only in men over 45 years old have we seen deterioration of, eye, of eyesight but then it returns once you're back on earth after about six months is is what's been shown but long-term exposure in space we don't know would we end up blind would our eyes have so much pressure on them nobody even knows yet scientifically what causes deterioration in vision and is it possible also in women uh there's effects on the brain uh you have muscle atrophy which is why we have to work out for at least two hours a day uh to maintain as much muscle mass as possible or to at least fight the effects of microgravity uh, and understanding what happens to the veins and the body when blood doesn't know where to go <laughs> this is why when people say oh you went to space that's so cool well what they are experiencing especially the first time astronauts go in space this is what i've read obviously i haven't experienced it yet myself um i've read a lot into the first few days of feeling sick in space is because of this disorientation of your blood is now rushing through parts of your body in directions it didn't before. Um, And that's the adjustment period. So, I mean, you'd have to talk to an astronaut who's been to space to understand, like, how you come out of that and what you really feel like. But from what I understand, uh, a large part of what we're trying to understand is how do we work through that? How do we adjust quickly to the microgravity environment? And what is it really doing inside us? I mean, where is that blood flowing? And then how do we control our reaction to it?
0: is I I know one of the things we wanted to jump in and this will show you how bad I am at transitions, but
1: we, <laughs> we, no, speaking of blood flow,
0: <laughs> speaking of blood flow, when when people want to have make babies, there's a lot of blood flow. I don't know. But so yeah. when, when, um, I think there was like a, a documentary or something when I was a kid where they, I guess yeah. I probably should have been monitored more if I'm watching stuff like this, but the, they <laughs> were talking about like how people would make babies in space and and they were like using like these little tubes and stuff not to like maintain the people in the area because like mm-hmm. in space like if you throw a rock that way like it'll you know you'll go that way so but what are what are this is a lead up what are some like like common problems with the concept of reproducing in space other than not having gravity you know those those things to set aside i guess but, what are the other problems
1: so, so i guess there's Different, different aspects, which, you know, some I'm an expert in, some I'm not. Uh, so there's medical, physical, physiological, and anthropological, right? Mm-hmm. So there's human behavior around it, and working together, and, and the reality of people uh, having sex in space, and how do we get to that point, and whether we should be doing that, and what are the consequences of that, and how does that, how do the consequences affect everyone who's going to be on a mission? Uh, Because it does, in a closed habitat space with only a few people, sex does distract and interfere and create uh, issues whether they talk about it or not. And especially if you get pregnant and have a baby, that's going to affect the crew. Uh, Because you don't bring a baby and then you're like, have them at home and nobody knows about it. You have a habitat or you have a station and we're all together and that baby is everybody's baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's the physiological. Do we know the risks that we take? And is it ethical? All of the assumptions that we can make, at least this is what me and my cohort, we talk about extensively and the scientists I work with question, uh, have we thought through enough of the consequences of wanting to have a child in microgravity? And what is the risk we're taking? Is it fair? And is it ethical that we create life when we don't know what the outcome will be? Mm. Um, and, and how much longer do we test on rats and mice and rodents and, and how much of that is fundamentally accurate for for human development and and do we want to take that risk mm. um, so and, and for me it 's an ethical question it 's a bigger ethical question i mean we 'll never know unless we do it, but yeah. how you... much scientific foundation do we need
2: to do it you know
0: yeah could could you like have like Cause you replicate enough of earth as you're like going to Mars or whatever, so that you'd have the same conditions. Like when the baby's gestating, like the lady, unless like somehow we were able to like seahorse men and they have to carry the baby in the space. But the, um, for people who don't know seahorse males carry the babies, not the women, It's a little fun nature fact. But, the, um, so for the women, like you could make like a hyperbolic chamber type thing. And have it like set up to like Earth, like s- gravity, and you know have Earth shielding and all this other stuff. So then, like the baby would come out and be just like, you know, like come out like normal and be like mm. an Earth baby. And then maybe wow. they have like a special part of habitat. You know, we already have special places for kids when they're developing, like kindergarten and stuff. So maybe they have like a special part that's like special places, a special place. <laughs> <laughs> so they so they can develop up until eighteen, and then they can kind of decide if they want to enter in normally
2: mm.
0: like that's where like they spend the majority of their time they can like go out on excursions that that's is like- a
1: really good question um i will say i don't know if a hyperbaric chamber situation would be realistic um on long-term flights so let me think about that i, I don't want to answer because I, wow hmm hyperbaric chamber to create simulate that
0: well, just as an example, it doesn't have to be... Well, like,
1: no, yeah. only because I already think, are these going to be children that come back to Earth? Or are these children that are going to stay wherever they're intended to go? Is this like, are they Mars children? Are they moon children? Are they, you know, mm-hmm. are they uh, cis-lunar children that live in a habitat that's going to be between the moon and Earth? Um, are we going to create a society that is uh, cis-lunar? Um, are they going to be at the gateway? So there's all these questions about... For me, it would be determined by the science, the possibility, uh, the technology, and then the ethical questions of so what's the end purpose? Where will they end up? Where where are they gonna actually grow up?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that I know what's necessary for, for their development. Is it better that they're never exposed to gravity or is it better that they are? So that's that's what I'm thinking right now when you ask that. I'm like, hmm, that's a fantastic yeah. question. And now I have 15 more questions.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, That's it, actually how all of this space stuff works. You're like, there's one question. Now yeah, we have a hundred more. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the fun thing about science. It's like the the more yeah. you learn about science, the more you can, the the larger the surface area of your ignorance expands. Like That's like right. a Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson quote, but I'm not the smart yes. one who thought of that. That was him. <laughs> but Sight also,
1: I think when people ask, like, how did I get into the sector and how is it that I'm thriving in the sector and how am I going to be working in the sector, is that There is no, there are no ultimate answers to everything. There's always something unknown. Everything is still unknown, really, in reality of of what life is going to be like. There are a lot of science and guesstimates of what's predicted, um, and a lot of generous, humble, and inspiring minds working on this. I'm going to tell you, I'm exposed on a weekly basis to people who just, absolutely blow my mind and I'm so grateful they're alive because they were doing some phenomenal work to really ensure that our species has future options whatever those may be um, and the questions always are how can other people get involved well everyone can get involved it's our planet it's our solar system we all you cut everyone they bleed too. okay so for now you're right <laughs> Someday it's some like green goo you know and we just Um, There is no ultimate wrong or right answer to everything, because I don't think everything has been asked yet.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's true, it's it's an area and a sector and an industry that has so much open to explore, so much left to understand, and constantly discovering that there's so much that hasn't been answered. And so there's room for everyone to contribute, really, truly. And I never feel stupid about a question. I never feel intimidated about not knowing something because there's just so many different answers and there's so many possibilities.
0: Well, I guess to kind of like parrot your, the beginning thing that you did, which is like ask people, what are they doing on the daily basis? How are they enjoying it? And, and being excited about these things as like another probably better transition than just like throwing into the topic. Like what uh-huh. what last like couple of months? Cause you're, you've been like flying all, all over the EU. <laughs> so um the
1: world it's been crazy yeah um so what is like a typical schedule (laughs) yeah yeah like
0: what's like a day like and what maybe some current problems you're working on i mean i guess these are the current problems but like maybe some of the ways you're tackling them
1: okay so i will start with like macro the last year um so i got into training and what happens is the training i'm part of with possum project possum is citizen science so everyone can sign up If they get accepted for the introductory, you take this introductory course, typically in Daytona, Florida, at Embry-Riddle. And if you pass that test and if you do well in that course the week, uh, you are certified to be a scientist astronaut candidate, which means you can pursue continuing your training over as much time as it takes you to do it. And they offer ongoing courses all year long at different times, and there are different costs and different locations to get access to all the facilities that train you. Mm-hmm. so I ended up doing four weeks of training and in two different locations so I just at the beginning funded myself so people get scared about money some people kick do Kickstarter get money for that some people have sponsors uh, some people have their government agency paying for them at least part of it because they're the only astronaut candidate from their country Molly Ireland okay uh, and then you look at all the schedule for the year and you just see what you can afford what you can plan for what fits in your schedule if you have children or a job or other life um, commitments and I did that and then when I was finished I went back to all my contractors because I'm transitioning I didn't say I just like jumped into the space sector and I was successful and had a job Uh, I know (laughs) I'm straddling both And so I went back to all my contractors that I had before in the humanitarian sector. And I said, look, I'm available uh, on a retainer. And if you have work, I can do maybe 20, 30 days at a time. And that's what I did. I went to Haiti for a few weeks, some work. I went home, rested for about two weeks. And then I was asked to go back to Haiti. I went back to Haiti to finish up some work, doing writing, research, et cetera. I had the opportunity to speak at a conference in Paris on Mars geology. So I came to Europe and then I had through all my networking said, Oh, I want to visit this space agency and this one is while I'm in Europe. And that's what I did. I started to hop the train and went to the European space agency, went to the international space university uh, and through all the people. outside, so I kept asking them, what are you involved in? Where do you volunteer? Where do you work? How did you do it? And then that's how people start talking. Oh, you should come to this, and you should come to this, and you should come to this conference, and this conference is interesting. And that's what I started to do. And it was all taking place in Europe. So I just stayed and hopped the train to different cities to go to a conference here. Uh, And then I got invited immediately to be a speaker about my astronaut candidate training. How did I get involved? How much does it cost? Who can go? And people are quite surprised and interested because – this is the turning point in the industry where it's accessible to people of different ages, different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages, excuse me. It's um, quote-unquote affordable. <laughs> uh, it can be affordable if you have a, a sponsor, or it's attainable. It's not like I have to pay $15,000 to go to school. I can pay 3000 and get a really significant training, certificate, and school credit. So there's a lot of benefits from it. The other thing is that I then had to take another job in Uganda, and I left for two weeks to Uganda, did some work, humanitarian work, uh, because I'm I'm familiar and have worked there a lot. And then I came back to Europe for a conference, and then I had astronaut training in Canada with the Canadian Space Agency to do parabolic flights, the Mm -hmm. vomit comet. Went into that for a week. Then I had a conference with the Moon Village Association in LA. So as I'm going along, I'm looking for opportunities that are in the same area that I can afford to go to or that are paid and people pay my airfare, lodging. Um, And then I started to do uh, conferences by Skype. So I could visit my family, but then I take one or two hours to be a speaker at a conference on sex and space or being an astronaut candidate as a woman, or how do I represent the Native American population or the Mexican population uh, in America? So you have all of these different aspects that are interesting to people in those demographics. You know, mm-hmm. There's children who are like, how do I start? And young girls who are like, how do I get involved? I'm a girl, how do I get involved? Or young boys who are like, I'm Native American, how do I get involved? And these are questions that I hope I can educate and answer. So to answer, the what, how did the last few months go <laughs> or year? Um, a mix of mm-hmm. training, humanitarian work still, uh, and then rest, and then training, humanitarian work, rest. Uh, you know, it's kind of in pieces. And honestly, there is no path before me <laughs> that is already set. I'm piecing it together, and I, I'm trying to make the most of it.
0: Do you... Is that like, do you, do you expect it to be the same, trans, like the same ratio moving forward? Or do you, do you see yourself slowly transitioning over to be more space?
1: More space, I hope. <laughs> so, hope. So a lot of what I do is also to get myself out there and to say, how does my skill set transition to paid work in the space sector? Which eventually will probably be business development. I write proposals, I can evaluate, I can work uh, partnerships. So I can still do that for the space sector. So yeah, I'm moving towards more full time.
0: That's awesome. The, Until
1: it's all full time.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, I was thinking about making a joke that maybe you shouldn't work, shouldn't work so much, but the uh, it sounds it's like it's like fun work though, like you're, yeah. you're doing. Oh no, I love
2: you it. You just see the yeah. world.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I wonder. This is just because I haven't been to these places, but do you ever worry about safety when you're, like, helping out Uganda or Haiti or anything like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even, you know, um, I got offered Afghanistan for a 30-day stint and determined myself because I got evacuated from Haiti, (laughs) just so I can put that out there, Um, in June end of June, July, uh, July. Uh, there were riots and I was locked down for a few days with my team and then we evacuated um, to Miami. And it was really bizarre because I came back out of that and the rest of the world had no clue that there was like this out war, like uh, civil unrest that was so dangerous. And I was like, wow, there you go. Reconciling my life. Mm-hmm it was so soon after that somebody offered me Afghanistan and when I asked about the security protocol it wasn't good enough for me even though I know Afghanistan very well I was there for two years I decided I that it wasn't worth it it wasn't worth the risk and that I will wait till it's safer to go and the team respected that they were actually really kind about it they they were disappointed and so was I but I told him that it, I just was not at a level of comfort with um, especially now that I want to go to space <laughs> with risking myself in an environment for for something that isn't vital in terms of timing it can be next year it can, it doesn't have to be right now so yeah I take that into consideration all the time we've been in a lot of violent situations and I've been in a lot of contexts that were highly dangerous um, so I have to be extra careful about my measurement of safety and risk because I've tolerated a lot <laughs> and I've seen a lot. Uh so so and every I think for everyone you determine what's important to you. If you have children, it changes everything. If you are newly married, it changes everything. If you're newly divorced, it
2: changes everything, <laughs> you
1: know. Your amount of like heck yeah, I'm up for an adventure or I'm willing to live in an armored car. <laughs> Those are like you you choose, right? Do you think
0: because you, you get to go out and see these places and i think for the most part people only see them on the news which is very mm-hmm. i swear every time i check the news there's like a new shooting or something so I, mm-hmm. I try to like find different i find i try to find accurate and hopeful things but also mm-hmm. you know, i know there's negative but is the mm-hmm. i know i think the like the murder rates in the united states have gone down for the last wow. 30 years but the do you think the world is trending from an athera anthropological-
2: Oh, go uh, ahead. That's not
1: really vital.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, after after you just got done saying uh, uh um like being on alerts and stuff, I was like, oh, it could, like an alert popped up. But so, do you think?
2: No. Do you think we tr- shoppers should know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think people? Do you think we're trending in a positive way? Where I know from a poverty standpoint, poverty's going down. But on the whole, do you think we're doing better as a species, or is it only in pockets that we're doing better? Like, is it like I, overall? Do we seem to be trending well, or is it just in certain areas? We're like, yeah, we're doing all right.
1: I believe in certain because that you have to take with what are we? What are we? Specific, are we talking about environment, climate, food, yeah. poverty, um, globalization, communication, um, gl- um, empowerment, equity? You know. I think in pockets. To be honest, my honest answer is in pockets. I see a lot of progress. Um, and but then I'm reminded, like you said in the news, of like ah, damn, that's still a struggle. Um, and then on my first, my personal accounts of being in these countries, you have to remember, like I will be sitting in. I give an example. I my ex husband is from uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, born and raised there, third generation from India. Um, we moved to Washington D.C. our first year of uh, being married, and. I, my in-laws at the time, were in the Congo, where there is still cannibalism, war, rebels, outright conflict, <laughs> uh, and it's extremely dangerous place to, to live. And, and people couldn't even understand when I went there, why I was living there. And how could I live there? Uh, but in any context, you have to remember, people still have to use a bathroom, eat, drink water, find some form of shelter, uh, and then if those are all met, they have to find some way of economic empowerment or stabilization and they have to go to school kids you know Mm -hmm. these are some of those mainstay things that like well kids still play in the streets in the middle of an earthquake because they're kids Mm -hmm. people still need to use the bathroom because we're human people still need to eat because we otherwise we die you know so there's all these fundamental things that are just similar across human beings in any country Mm -hmm. then i was in afghanistan for two years back and forth to Washington, and in some of my time in Afghanistan, I realized I would go like weeks at a time that my ex-mother-in-law would call me and she would be like, I'm so scared for you. She's sitting in Congo, so scared for you. I saw the news, and I'm like, wait, I get a call from my mom that she's worried about me in Congo, and I get a call from my ex-mother-in-law while I'm in Afghanistan. (laughs) She's worried about me in Afghanistan because everything is our perception of what
2: we've
1: understood, and you're right my mother-in-law at the time was like I see tanks and war and bombs and I'm like yeah but have you seen your news (laughs) and I said oh my gosh I didn't realize like the perspective we have is what we're we have access to Mm -hmm. but when you see it in person and you see children are still in the streets flying kites uh they're still running around playing with each other adults still have to get up and do something in the middle of the day they're going to work or they're looking for work or food The human the the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy still persists yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and the funny thing is that applied to space is we're looking at how do we put together groups of people on missions to Mars missions to the moon should it be all women should it be all men should a mission be more than six people should there only be five people all of these variants have been tested over the last decade or two um, or more trying to determine how are we preparing what are we preparing And what is the best case scenario for success, whatever success is measured for whatever mission? Is it landing on Mars? Is it getting close to Mars? Is it living on Mars? Whatever the mission is for that crew. Um, And do we have the right people on Maslow's hierarchy? Are they at the top or are they at the bottom? And what kind of mix do we have? So it's really fascinating to see human behavior on earth and in traumatic situations and in these areas where your resilience has to build up for new environments, like, oh, our house was bombed, now what do we do? Oh, the tsunami came in, we have nothing, what do we do? And to see the, the reality of humans building up new habitats, new environments, new, new social structures, new constructs, uh, women taking leadership roles, children taking leadership roles in, in places where you wouldn't expect it. So what are we going to do on other planets? Mm-hmm. We have the capability, but are we going to be able to work around that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's really fascinating to see how that applies um, to, to those new environments and, and being able to start over again somewhere new and, and what human behavior are we taking and what are we not?
0: Mm-hmm. Well- From your earlier comment about the reproduction issues, I now feel like all the guys should be vasectomized or have have a vasectomy. (laughs) Just like it takes like two. You can reverse that. (laughs) Like, oh, we're on Mars, we can have kids now. It takes like nope. You just reverse the snip, and then well, that
1: was (laughs) the question is, will we have the right, commercial or government agency, will we have the right to tell people sign this contract and now you have to go on birth control when you're on this ship because it's mixed gender. Uh, Sign this contract, you are not supposed to have sex for six months. Sign this contract, don't get pregnant. Like, are we, are they, the companies, organizations, so or those in charge, in the right to ask that of us? Is that ethical? Is it still with human dignity? Um, or do we just eliminate all that and say, uh uh-uh, uh, six men are going, no women. Mm. Six women are going, no men. And is that ethical? Uh, so, there's a lot of questions that are being discussed about what would be the best case scenario for a successful mission,
2: mm-hmm.
1: depending on what that mission's goal is. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, if you put me, I mean, my character's different from other people, but if you put me and you told me sign this contract, go on birth control for six months, don't interact with the opposite sex, you have a mission, blah, blah, blah. I listen to my orders and I will sign it, do what they say, and you tell me what to do, I will do it. Mm-hmm. If that means the success of this mission, uh, but I can be focused and disciplined like that. There are many people who just absolutely cannot. Or maybe three months into the mission, we're like, all systems failing. We're gonna die in two hours. Who cares? <laughs> what are people gonna do? They're human. <laughs> mm-hmm. We always I, joke about. Yeah. We always joke about that.
0: Well, I, f- I feel like the simplest thing you could do, because I feel like having to take birth control, unless it's like mm. one of those implant thingy bobs, but then mm-hmm. you have to have surgery to take them out. But I feel like the simplest thing is just like, you know, snip the guys, because then you don't have to worry about it. If, if people do it, like you need, you need half the equation. You need the, you know, you need the, yeah, yeah. You, need the you know, you need the, the seed do, guy.
1: Do you think it's wrong if they say, okay, only six women on this mission? No men.
0: I think the percent, I've, well, it seems that from the research that we've already, like the, the case we've seen so far is that mm-hmm. there's a thing in my, I'm not winking at you, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> especially with what we're talking about sure, we're clear on that. The, um the um i think like there's some things like women have weaker bones so then they you know probably degenerate a little quicker in space mm-hmm. the guys mm-hmm. have a little stronger bones but then guys can go blind so i feel like having different genders with different abilities because of that would be very good for mm-hmm. dealing with any situation and then you have six brains with different perspectives which is always a good thing Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't mind i i think i i think if you had to like take an oral pill i feel like that's really expensive to do when it's like Mm sixteen thousand dollars per kilogram to get in space that's a really expensive exactly
2: i was gonna say payload is a
1: big deal yeah
0: Yeah. or you take some scissors and you just run at the guys really quick
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that's not what men would perceive as easy (laughs) well i mean are there is it ethical to ask them like you're gonna do this because we said so, or make like an option unless you do this so It's a condition
2: yeah.
0: well, i mean it's it I, I imagine it's like a logical thing, right like the if you were to like do the version of of a samy to a woman where you tie their tubes, that's major surgery. You can't really reverse that, but like you could easily reverse it on mars like it's easier it's less of a pain to have guys do that. And it is a pain to have women do the same thing. I feel like that'd be unfair. Oh, I not to like-
1: hear the responses. <laughs>
0: I feel like even even if you had to take you know the the pill stuff or whatever, mm. then I feel like the guy should have to take a pill stuff. Like, why should half the population? would
1: be. There. I think that would be equitable if they said everybody's gonna take birth control, whatever that, even if it's a sugar pill, whatever.
0: That's um, expensive. I'm. i I feel like just the 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 most cost effective mm-hmm. thing is to just run at the guys with scissors. <laughs> not really.
1: Or depot like, injection. Or yeah, I mean, there's yeah. different options. There's always other options, and there's always yeah. different scenarios. Um, I guess the the opportunity for those is what is in the best interest of the health of the crew, right? Yeah. Because also there are other consequences of taking um, some of these pills or long term injections and stuff. So, uh, do we know already that long term durations in microgravity are okay with whatever we we choose? And yeah. you're right, is it just easier for men to get a vasectomy? I don't know. That that's mm-hmm. a good question. And this is also the the debate in these conversations is. What do we have the right to ask as a condition for this travel? And what do we not? What is human right? What if I say, No, my right is. Uh, if I'm flight commander, I'm selected to be the flight commander. I am on this journey. And I, what if I am the only one who's done the training, who's been, and if I say, No, I, I don't want anything done to me. I want to go the way I am.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> one, sure, sure you can always replace me. <laughs> yeah. you, but what you said?
0: I said, I feel like you should lose the job.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were are to you're like, that, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah they're try like, following okay.
0: orders. Like when you're out in the deep of it, we, they would need to believe that if they say, hey, A, B, and C is the best thing to do, mm. that it would get done or else you blow mm-hmm. up the crew and the ship. Yeah. And what I,
1: I mean, what I imagine, just like out of the optimism I have for society and for, for people, is that everyone willing to go is willing to sacrifice and compromise. For yeah. the greater good of the mission, of any mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there are, like you said, outliers who would potentially create problems or create havoc uh, and that would interrupt or hinder a mission, maybe they have the skill set and we need them later, but maybe on some of these critical missions, we really need the compromise, the understanding, uh, and people who are willing to understand the larger picture. So the top of Maslow's hierarchy, you know, you have the hierarchy of people at the top who are like, I get it. I get what we're doing. I'm willing to compromise here and there. You're absolutely right. Having a child in space would be absolutely horrific. We would risk too much. Um, And then being able to step back from that and say, I'll do this mission under these conditions. You're right. You know, and then that's...
0: Have people tried having sex in space? We've been up there for a while. I imagine someone's been like, hey, let's try this thing. But I I don't think anyone's written about it. Yes, people have okay well no
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's not written about uh it has been done um but you're right a lot of a a lot of that and i don't know why um to be honest there's not a lot of literature on that and there's not a lot uh publicly exposed about it so you know to those that there's a set of literature that i'm going to share with you um about uh studies and about that taking place um but yeah, there hasn't been a lot of knowledge around what it takes, phys- physically how it worked um, and how it would be, the so what are the best scenarios <laughs> in space. I think
0: uh, you need bungee cords. Yeah, not a
1: lot public.
0: <laughs> 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 you heard me. I was just like, I, want, I bet you'd need bungee cords. Um, but the, No, I
1: heard you. You said <laughs> that out loud.
0: <laughs> my, my bad. But um, I, always assume I could them. imagine
1: a scenario where there has to be well, it was funny. I was joking with a colleague like that I'm like, I guess they Velcro their, the back of a shirt. <laughs> and because Velcro is magic, right?
0: Yeah. But then you, you're probably going to ruin that shirt. It's going to get stretched out. I would just
1: say this is specifically for this.
0: Specialized equipment. Uh, uh,
1: specialized equipment for yeah, this, this physical scenario, yeah. I'm not I'm, embarrassed to talk about those things. I mean, there's not much I know about it because I have not tried it myself. Um, and there's very uh, very little publicly written about the experiences that are, or that I've had access to anyway. Um, and if there is access to information out there, I will find it <laughs> and I will share it mm-hmm. um, because I feel that this is important. Um, for me, my idea of space exploration is to see that we propagate our species and other planets right that we see is there a possibility uh, is our time on earth finite perhaps is there the necessity to find other options perhaps um, and I say that again in the light of do we believe everything on the news? Do we believe everything in journals? Do we believe everything we're taught and told and written? what's written? Um, grain of salt, you know. Um, I make the best out of the information that I have access to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel fortunate that I can have access to a lot of information, but I don't pretend that everything that I'm exposed to is the absolute truth. I like to look for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier to you, the only truth that I know is that I will never know the full truth.
0: Mm-hmm. So- I imagine dealing with breakups would be really hard like you know you don't want to see this person again mm-hmm. but i guess that like, you're probably gonna stay pick on that part a of the, the habitat
1: person. i will yeah. say on this side so to that have you heard the the podcast the habitat no so nasa ran uh for many years and it's still there um a mars analog in hawaii called oh. high seas yeah and there was one particular team, it was the first time they did 12 months in a habitat. So it's a very, very long time. Uh, and they had somebody recording and documenting and interviewing them and she created a podcast, I think there was seven, six or seven episodes. If you listen to that, there was a couple who uh, came together in the habitat and then broke up. So um, it was less scandalous and traumatic than we expect, but it, it is something that could naturally happen. Uh, they tended to be very discreet, so it was good, but it was also kind of obvious. So um, so privacy is gone, that's for sure. Um, and then there's the consequences of human interaction <laughs> because it doesn't even have to be a relationship problem and a breakup and all that. That can be a scandal in itself. Um, we actually naturally either bond or disassociate with each other in long periods of time together. So there's also this what if the only medical person we have turns out to be an asshole? What do we do? Like, what do we do? Um, What if our flight commander is a jerk. How do you deal? And this is what we're finding out in all these analogs. That's why we have analogs. How do team members under stress respond to friction and personalities that are difficult or challenging or culturally insensitive or culturally different? Uh, And who determines that? And how do we mitigate that How do we predict it and how do we work around it? Because if I'm actually stuck in a spaceship with you for six months, I'm making every effort to at least understand everyone so that I know if you wake up grumpy, it's because you haven't had coffee. And once you have coffee, you soften and know we're good. Um, Or if somebody is so disruptive that you can't get anything done on a daily basis, are they doing it on purpose or is that part of their personality? Mm. And then are they essential? this mission who decided that
0: <laughs> do, what do people have the ability to like mutiny against the commander if they're being really negligent can you do that i don't know if you can do that
1: i imagine that you can do whatever
0: you want. <laughs> yeah who's gonna stop
1: okay. you no 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 i just imagine obviously you can do whatever you want in life in any given circumstances it's ill-advised to do that in a closed environment <laughs> um I don't know in any case, honestly, in an analog where that's happened. I think that at the end of the day, we're also grown adults and maybe make efforts. Uh, I don't know. I would say it's highly ill-advised and it's probably really dangerous. But I would hope that there's at least an attempt to resolve issues in many various forms before that happen oh, i would say that's extreme
0: I, yeah when i'm at mutiny i just meant like elect a new leader i didn't mean like we, oh, yeah, we you mean a <laughs> yeah we have like a pirate democracy and we vote a new captain <laughs> or something
1: i i don't know i actually haven't been in scenario or seen one that way but mm-hmm. i would imagine that you as a team if i were in a team that we saw the commander was either um not guiding in the right direction. Nothing was getting done. It was not productive. It was hindering progress. We were falling behind that. We'd have a discussion with them first, you know, fairly, mm-hmm. uh, give them an opportunity to recover from it and do better. And then as a team to decide, you know, what's best for this crew and transparently not in secret discussions without the commander, just transparently say, you know, this is not in our best interest. Uh, is there something we can do to help you help us or, should we change up roles and what do you think you're better suited for? Because there has to be something that you're better suited for to be in that environment period. Um, People are not chosen lightly and then determine as a team, but I haven't seen it. And I don't, I personally don't know of any analogs. I'm sure there are analogs where that's happened that I know what they did to resolve it. I've only heard of analogs where there's a flight commander who is a pain in the butt or really difficult and no one did anything about it. People just fought with them, fought with them, fought with them. And then their two weeks or their four weeks were over. And to this day, as colleagues, they have friction.
0: Hmm. So you need a you psychologist know. on that. You need like yeah, one person yeah, needs yeah. to be like a trained psychologist. Like just watch That would
1: be really ideal. <laughs> therapy time. Gym, but. therapy, breakfast.
0: You have a schedule then. Under schedule, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so for, for people who want to learn more about this, do you have mm. any book or resource recommendations Mm. that you recently read. I have to like be very specific cuz like asking for a favorite book is like too broad and, and like it's hard to think on the spot. But like is there anything you recently read that you like that you think people who are learning about you and how you tra- transitioned in would enjoy mm. or that are interested in learning about sex and space <laughs> and that type of thing or okay. just how, yeah, any anything on those spectrums or, or in general I guess. You can yeah. Mm. that's
1: uh there's so many <laughs> like you. I read a lot. And I actually watch TED Talks when I do my 45-minute run on the treadmill. So (laughs) I'm constantly watching TED Talks, uh, recent ones in the last two or three years on space. There's also, now that I'm aware of it, I wasn't aware before, generally, all the conference proceedings from every space conference that takes place are online. Uh, Most of them now are recorded. And the big one is IAF, the International Astronaut. oh my gosh, this is horrible. People are going to be really upset that I didn't say this correctly, so let me read it.
0: <laughs> I would imagine the F is Federation.
1: Um, perhaps. I just want to make sure because there's IAF and IAC. So IAF. Yes. Yeah, so. um, Because when you go – yeah, see, there's IAC and IAF. Uh, and I want to make sure that the IAF is – International Astronautical Congress is the annual meeting. And the last one was in Germany. It was about two months ago or a month ago. Um, And the proceedings from that, most are recorded and they're found online. And you learn so much because there were over 6,000 people. And daily, there was a session on space every 15 minutes concurrently all day long. It was overwhelming but now that they're online you can go through and you can learn about the latest technology the latest sex um, uh, space topics you can learn about missions that are being planned you can learn about space agencies you can learn about uh, what science people are, are sending to space and what science is needed what are the gaps where can you come in what's still not covered who's picking up space debris that's a priority who's picking up the trash in space, so all of this is is online, and I say that only because a book is written like every month in space um, and one of my favorite authors is John Logston. he just launched two books this year, and I would tell you and anyone it's m- important and interesting to understand why we are where we are in space and This author, John, he's one. He's an amazingly um, intelligent and kind person. He wrote a book about the space program in the U.S. from the perspective of every president. So there's one for Kennedy, uh, Carter, Reagan. So that we understand for the for first time collectively why decisions were made for the program to cease, to continue, why the space shuttle was supported, why it wasn't. Um, and his two books just came out, um, and he did, he's doing a book tour now. So John Logston, uh, and his perspective sheds light on politics, funding, and the intersection of where we are in the world with technology and progress, and our relationships to other agencies, and why we make the decisions we make. Because people think, oh, you know, space became unpopular, and oh, there was no more money, and oh but there was so much we didn't understand about the beginning and why, why it is what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and it's fascinating because you're like, oh my God, there's all these things behind the curtain that we didn't know were happening. And then you can't be so angry or you have to be angry about certain things uh, because there's some things you can do something about it. And there's some mm-hmm. things that you can't yet. Um, and what he reveals... That's so good, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, what he reveals in his writing really uh, and, and what I think a lot of authors are trying to do is that Time is changing the times are different now now there's commercial and now there's agencies government agencies relying on commercial sector and that there's really going to be a balance in the future for anyone and everyone to be involved in some way. there's going to be a lot of we're gonna need sound engineers we're gonna need music musicians we're gonna need artists we're gonna need uh, motor engineering we're gonna need mechanical engineering. everybody who has been peripheral can now be really integrated. And that's what's exciting about reading the latest books that have come out.
0: And that is Yvette, and we got a great sense of herself and how she worked her way into the space industry, how she did it, and how you can do the exact same thing to work your way into any industry, any startup, anything you want to do in life, which is really fantastic. Remember to check us out on Patreon, Twitter, and the website, the website is learnwithlol.com. the Twitter is at Woolwashere, and the Patreon is Learning with Lol. And each one of those has different content than what you're gonna see anywhere else. So definitely check them out. Share this with as many people as you can. The the more engagement I have from each of you, even if it's just like, hey, you like this, but you don't want to share it with anyone else because you want to keep it all to yourself, send me an email. The contact information for Yvette and myself will be in the show notes, on the website and on YouTube. So it'll be really easy.